0: Hello everyone, welcome to Bible Truth For Living. This is your host, Pastor Tim Reynolds. We sure appreciate you listening today for another message from God's Word. Let me remind you about an exciting upcoming event we have at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple on Saturday, October the 28th. It's called Saturday Special Needs Superheroes, and it's a day when we honor our friends with special needs. We have a day filled with events. It's from 4 to 6.30 p.m., and we have everything from horseback rides, petting zoo, hayride, free hot dogs hamburgers snow cones games now just a bunch of stuff going on all of it is absolutely free for children and adults with special needs and their caregivers if you'd like to attend or want more information you can go online at Mount Vernon Baptist mountvernonbaptisttemple.com you can register there find out more about the event and it'll be at mount vernon baptist temple on route 37 south 817 woodland drive is the physical address and we hope you help us share the word and we Hope to see you here just in a couple of weeks for that exciting event. Today's message is titled A Proper View of Death. The Bible says in the book of Psalm, chapter 116 and verse 15: Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. You know, one way or another, our time here on earth will come to an end. For some, it's a matter of just a few years. We know babies die, young people die, accidents, sicknesses, uh, even atrocities like we've been witnessing over in Israel involved little babies. And so death comes to all ages. Some may live to be several years Uh, You may be 100 years old or even older, but really when you think about it, in light of human history, and especially uh, in light of eternity, whether you're 8 or 80, it's all short term. Uh, Life is short. We realize that the older that we get. Death, unfortunately, is an unchanging reality of everyone's future until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Now, for many people, that reality is terrifying. In fact, humanity's greatest fear is the certainty of death. Uh, what's interesting, is that is followed closely by public speaking. That is people's second fear. But the first fear is the certainty of death. And so to cope with that, people try to avoid thinking about it, uh, talking about it, even preparing for it as if ignoring it will somehow postpone or delay that day. Now, the book of Ecclesiastes tells us that eternity is bound in the heart of man. We have a desire to continue to live, and that's good, you know, that survival instinct. It would be rather strange if we... Uh, all the time thought about death it would be morbid you know some people want to know what the day will be when they die what the date will be and I have no interest in that God knows God knows the day we're born and the day we're going to die and we don't need to live in constant fear and dread uh, that it's happening but we should be prepared and there are some things we certainly need to know about death in fact What if I told you we could change the way that we look at death? You know, the Bible says, and this is a rather interesting verse, that in the sight of God, the death of his saints, those who trust in him, death is precious. Now, that's interesting. How can you and I share this same perspective on death? Well, I think we can if we understand some truths regarding the fact of death, and that's my first point, is the fact of death. One of the ways we deal with death is we call it by another name, or we'll use some other terminology. We will say that someone has passed away, or went to his forever home, or she graduated to heaven, all the different euphemisms. In fact, one poll found over 50 euphemisms that are commonly used for death. Now, you see similar expressions for death in the Bible. In some places, it says that a person was gathered to his people. Uh, and in another place, it says uh, one was carried to Abraham's bosom. Uh, the Apostle Paul talks about being absent from the body and asleep in Jesus. But you know the Bible does not shy away from uh, the fact of death or from speaking about death. In fact, the words such as death and die occur nearly nine hundred times in the Word of God. Here's just two of them: Romans six twenty three, for the wages of sin is death. The reason we die is not old age; it's not disease. That's all part of it. That the the that's just the oh the result. But sin is the root cause of all of it. Sin is why we get old and and die and why uh, we get diseases and why accidents happen. The wages of sin is death hebrews nine twenty seven and adds as is, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. you have an appointment with death. Now you can't change that appointment. Uh, You know, if you have a dentist appointment or a doctor's appointment, you might call up and say, hey, I need to change that. But you can't change the appointment with death. It It is already set. I can't change that. I can't say, well, God, that's not a good day for me. Let's let's change that day. No, it doesn't work. You can try to change it by uh, getting in shape and taking pills and all of those things. And you may, you may prolong your life, but really uh, the time that we have, the days, the months, even the hours are with God. And that is just a fact. So we need to understand that regarding death. And then number two, I want us to see the faces of death. Now, the word death literally means separation, and the Bible speaks of three kinds of death or three kinds of separation. The first one we are introduced to is spiritual death. Spiritual death is the separation of man from God, and that first occurs in the Garden of Eden. We see this take place in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16. The Bible tells us, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now, this is the first introduction to death we have, and God has said, I've made all of these things in the garden for you, but there's one you're not to eat of. Now, the question is, why did God put that tree there? Could not God have created the Garden of Eden without that tree? Well, absolutely. The reason he did that was to allow man to express his free will. You see, love and obedience requires free will. God did not make us where we have to choose him and we have to choose salvation and have to love him. What kind of love is that? Uh, The truth is, is that God gives us that choice, that free will. But also there's a consequence that comes with the free will. He says, if you take of it, you're going to die. Now, God was not talking about physical death, although that would eventually come. And we'll, we'll look at that in a moment. But immediately what occurred was spiritual death. Now, remember, Satan tried to lie about that. When you get to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, and that's that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. Well, we know they didn't just drop dead physically, but Satan is lying here. Number one, physical death would occur, and then we'll look at that in a second. But what occurred immediately was spiritual death. You see, Adam's disobedience introduced spiritual death, and spiritual separation of man from God, not only for himself, but for all of his offspring, all of humanity continuing even today. The Apostle Paul writes about that in the book of Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, wherefore, as by one man, that's Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that, all have sinned. You see, every human being since Adam has been born spiritually dead and separated from God. Uh, some people have the idea, well, uh, you know, uh, you don't become a sinner until you do something wrong. No, the fact is, we are born sinners. It's in our DNA. That's our nature. All right, we're sinners by nature and by choice and by practice. And so that that sin nature has been passed down since Adam and uh, we're contaminated with it. We are we are born dead in a sense. We're born physically alive but spiritually dead. This is why Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, ye must be born again. You know, Nicodemus was a smart man, educated, religious man. And he said to Jesus, well, how can I enter my mother's womb and be born a second time? Jesus said, that's not what I'm talking about. You must be born physically, but then you need to be born again, and that refers to spiritually. The spirit of man must be made alive. The Bible word is quickened by the Holy Spirit of God, and that occurs at the moment of salvation. So the first face of death is spiritual death. The second type of death is physical death. Now physical death eventually it would occur for Adam. Adam lived to be 930 years old, but he died physically. Physical death is the separation of man from his own spirit. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 7 says, "Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return to God who gave it." Now, at the moment that a believer dies, the Bible says you are immediately in the presence of Jesus. Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So just immediately you're with Jesus. Now, what about the unbeliever? Well, the unbeliever, his spirit, immediately goes to hell. Now, hell and heaven are are that's your only options. All right. There are no are there are no other options. And there are what you call transitional bodies in these two places. The physical body, of course, goes to the grave, and it one day will be brought out of the grave. That's the teaching for a different time. But those who are in heaven right now have a transitional body made for heaven. It's their spirit, their soul that goes to heaven, but they're not just in la la land or non existence or experiencing soul sleep. They're alert, they're they're they are aware, they have some type of body. We also know the same is true in hell. Uh, Luke chapter 16 gives us the illustration of the rich man and Lazarus. If you remember that story, the rich man had a lot of nice things here on earth, nice clothes, a lot of food to eat, nice home. Lazarus was a poor man, ate the crumbs off the rich man's table. He, he had, you know, just not a very comfortable life. But the day came when each man died. The Bible says that Lazarus was immediately carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. It's another term for paradise or what we might refer to as heaven. And the Bible says that the rich man lifted up his eyes in hell. Well, he had eyes. you know. He even says uh, to, at one point to Abraham, send Lazarus with some water to cool the tip of my tongue. So apparently this body in hell feels things, has a memory, uh, can speak and all of that. So we don't know a lot about that. The Bible doesn't give us a lot of information. But we do know that man is separated from his spirit. For the Christian, the spirit goes to heaven. For the unbeliever, the spirit goes to hell. All right. And that occurs at physical death. And then there's one more death. And this is one uh, we don't often think of. But the Bible calls it the second death. And it is found in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8. Now, the second death is the separation of man from God for all of eternity. The Bible teaches that... Those who are unbelievers, one day at the end, this will happen at the end of the kingdom age, and this is in Revelation chapter 20. I'm not going to read that to you. I'm just going to tell you what happens. It's called the great white throne judgment. Uh, Those believers are brought up to stand in judgment before God. And when God uh, pronounces judgment, uh, then for eternity, they are cast into the lake of fire. Well, let me just read this to you. Revelation 21, verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, you know, when it tells us they're all liars, that that puts all of us in jeopardy. (laughs) The only difference between the Christian and the non-Christian or the believer and the non-believer is that the believer has placed his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. If it were not for that, we would all be headed the same direction. So salvation doesn't make uh, me better than an unbeliever. Uh, just because, uh, you know, to say, well, I'm a better person. No, absolutely not. It's just that I have received the righteousness of Christ, which is available to everyone if you'll simply repent of your sin and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. But he says if you don't do that, you're going to face the second death. That second death is when the unbeliever is cast into the lake of fire, and that is not annihilation. It's not uh, a state of non-existence. It's a literal um, uh, punishment and separation from God for eternity. Here's, Here's one way to think of this. If you are only born once, you will have to die twice. Let's say you're born physically, but you're never born again. You die physically, and then you have to die the second death, But if you are born twice, you will only have to die once. You see, if you're born physically and then you get saved, you are born again. Physical death is the only thing you have to face. You don't have to worry about that second death. Why? Because when you're absent from this body of physical death, you are present with the Lord. Thank God for all of eternity. And then number three, there is the fear of death. You know, there are two ways to face the reality of death that's coming, whether we like it or not. We can face it with fear, or we can face it with faith. Now, I want to give you some good news for those that, uh, you know, maybe you're wondering about death. Maybe you've, you've dealt with this recently, a death of a loved one or something, and you, you're, you're fearful of it. I want, I want to help you establish faith rather than fear. Number one, we can have faith knowing that the prince of death has been defeated. Thank God for that. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. That's telling us that Jesus Christ became just like you and I. He came in flesh, in human flesh. The difference between Jesus and us, though, was he had no sin. He wasn't tainted with that sin DNA. That's because he was virgin born. But listen to this. That through death, he, Christ, might destroy him, Satan, that had the power of death. I like that. It's past tense. That had the power of death. That is the devil. In other words, Jesus took the devil's greatest weapon of death and defeated him with it. You see, beloved, the cross followed by the empty tomb has made Satan an already defeated foe. So the prince of death has been defeated. Number two. The power of death has been destroyed. It no longer has power over the believer. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we can say that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us and gave himself for us. You see, death has no power over the Christian. The best thing death can do to you and I as believers is simply transition us from this life into eternity with Jesus. And that's not a bad transition, all right? So the prince of death has been defeated the power of death has been destroyed. Number three, the process of death has been described. So we don't have to fear death because we have a description of it and it's found in Psalm 23 in verse four. Now you're familiar with Psalm 23 and in particular verse four, that's the only verse I'm going to uh, share with us here with our last few moments. I wanna give you three points from Psalm 23 verse four. Number one, this tells us that death is a journey Not a destination. Listen to this. David says, "'Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death.'" Notice he says, "'walk through,' which is telling us it's a journey, and he's walking through the valley. He does not say, "'Yea, though I walk into a cave.'" You know, a cave is a closed uh, thing. It's dark. You can't find your way around. He doesn't say, yay, though I walk down a dead-end trail. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I walk through the valley. Beloved, a valley has an opening on both ends. This implies a journey just from one Uh, one area into the next, which means that there are brighter days ahead. One preacher put it like this. He said, death is an exit gate and heaven is an entrance. The two are arranged so closely together that as one opens, the other one shuts. So we're just transitioning and journeying from this life into the next. We're walking through the valley. Number two, death is a shadow, not a reality. Notice he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, in a way, yes, death is a reality. It's a fact. But it doesn't end everything. That's what I mean. It's it, David says that it's a shadow of death. Here, here's a good way to put it. Dr. Donald Barnhouse, uh, he tells the story of driving home from the funeral of his wife with his young children Uh, His wife had gotten sick, and and he still had young kids at home. And as they're going home, they're crying. They're overcome with grief. And suddenly, a huge truck began to pass them on the road, and its shadow covered the car as it passed by. And Dr. Barnhouse said, kids, would you rather be run over by that truck or by its shadow? Well, of course, the kids said, the shadow, Dad. We'd We'd be silly to want the truck to run over us. We'd rather have the shadow. And here's what he said. He said, 2,000 years ago, the truck ran over Jesus so that only its shadow can run over us. I like that. You see, Jesus took the hit from the Mack truck of death, but he overcame it when he raised three days later. And so now we as Christians, we just experience the shadow of death because it's just a shadow, not a reality. It doesn't end everything. You know, and when a loved one passes away, um, I preached the funeral of our dear friend, Jim Laird, uh, just this, earlier this week. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about that and shared that with our folks that, This is not goodbye. This is just so long for a little bit, and then we'll see you again. Why? Because Jim knew the Lord, and uh, we have that hope of reunion one day with our loved ones and, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then here's the last thing I want to share with you. Death is lonely, but we are never alone. You know, Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, and that even includes at the point of death. Listen again to Psalm 23 and verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Here's why: for Thou art with me. You know, uh, the Bible tells us in that story of the rich man and Lazarus that the angels gently carried Lazarus right to Abraham's bosom. That's exactly what happens at the moment of the at the moment of death of a Christian. The angels, and you won't see that. You know, some people claim to to see these things, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to uh, get into that debate, but I've not seen it. I'll just tell you that. But I believe spiritually that's what's happening. The spirit world is just as real or even more real than than what we um, sense with our five senses. But the angels carry the spirit of that beloved one right into the presence of Jesus. Again, Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, that's exactly what happens to a believer when a believer dies. If you have a loved one, husband, wife, children, friend, neighbor, a co-worker, and they were saved, that's exactly what happens. But, you know, the opposite happens for the unbeliever. They end up going directly to hell, and it's not so gentle. It's a It's a destination you don't want to go to. Uh, the thing I would tell you is you need to be prepared for death. You know, uh, the book of Amos says, prepare to meet thy God. You say, pastor, how do I prepare for that? Do I need to go to church? Well, that's not a bad thing. And hopefully your church would preach the gospel, but just showing up at church won't get you to heaven. Neither will being a good person or giving to charity or any of these other things, You see, to prepare for heaven, you need to know some things, all right? And I want you to listen closely to this. If you've never been saved, here's what you need to know to prepare for heaven. Number one, you must realize that you are a sinner. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That includes this preacher that's talking to you right now. I'm just a sinner saved by the grace of God. All have sinned. Number two, you must believe Jesus Christ died and rose again for your sin, and he is the only way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Jesus is the only way, and you must believe he died for you and rose again for you, and he is the only one that can save us. And then lastly is you have to ask him, that's something you must humble yourself and get alone with God. Whether you do that right now, you might be listening to the radio program. You might be listening to the podcast. Wherever you are, you don't have to be in church. That's a fine place to get saved to, but you can be out in the field or in the kitchen. doesn't matter, but just stop where you are and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I realize that I'm a sinner, and I believe you died and rose again for me. And according to the Bible, you say, Lord, that if I repent of my sin, you'll save me. And Jesus, I repent today, and I'm asking you to save me. Now, if you prayed something like that, and it's not just simply mouthing the words, it's meaning it with your heart. If you prayed that, according to the Bible, not just me, but what the Bible says, you are born again. That spirit that was separated from God is now reunited with God. That means that you're prepared for heaven, whether you die today or 100 years from now. I hope you live a long, healthy life. I hope we all do. But whenever that time comes, you're prepared. You know, people will prepare for a trip, a vacation, retirement, and that's wonderful, but then fail to prepare for eternity? How foolish is that? You want to be prepared for that. You want to know your eternal destination is heaven forever with God, and that happens through your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, if you've accepted Jesus today through the program, let me encourage you to send us a note. Say, hey, I got saved, and uh, we'd like to rejoice with you. I'm prepared for heaven now. No greater news and no greater decision you can make in life than to do that. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It's always a joy to be with you. And I look forward to being with you again at our next appointed time. And until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you, is my prayer.